News Source 1 Messiana. News and headlines the way you want in the morning. This is News to Go, your morning show focusing on the top stories from various news outlets. Also available via Ironca Podcast app. News Nation this hour, I'm James Sears. Houston officials are trying to figure out what caused the stampede at an outdoor rap concert that left eight victims dead Friday night as rapper Travis Scott was on stage. Houston's police chief says they're conducting a criminal investigation involving their homicide and narcotics divisions. This after allegations circulating online of someone in the crowd injecting people with drugs via a needle. Starting today, Los Angeles will be implementing one of the country's strictest vaccine mandates. News Nation's Alina Abovian is breaking down the new restrictions. Angelinos, 12 and older, visiting restaurants, movie theaters, malls, salons, and other venues will either have to show proof of the COVID-19 vaccine or a negative test taken within the last 72 hours. Employees will also have to verify medical or religious exemptions or a negative test. For restaurants, the unvaccinated can also opt to sit outside. Businesses who don't comply face fines starting at $1,000. The Biden administration remains confident despite a federal appeals court temporarily blocking its proposed vaccine mandate for businesses. Anna Wernicke has more. The U.S. Court of Appeals in Louisiana said the vaccine mandate presents grave statutory and constitutional issues. The new rule requires businesses with 100 or more employees to require their employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine or get tested weekly and wear a mask. Businesses that don't comply could face thousands of dollars in fines. But Labor Secretary Marty Walsh says businesses will suffer more if the virus continues to spread. The court gave the administration until the end of the day to respond and said it would move quickly to decide the case. A new investigation by the Washington Post found many countries underreport their greenhouse gas emissions to the United Nations. An examination of 196 countries shows gaps ranging from at least 8.5 billion to a high of 13.3 billion tons a year. Some of that could be attributed to countries claiming carbon is absorbed by natural forests. And four astronauts will be putting on adult diapers before they head home today from the International Space Station. Seems the toilet on the SpaceX capsule is broken. The trip could last 20 hours after nearly 200 days in space. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm James Sears. Detailed forecast. Monday sunny with a high near 63. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Monday night partly cloudy, with a low around 42. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour becoming calm in the evening. Tuesday mostly cloudy, with a high near 59. Calm wind becoming south around 5 miles per hour. Tuesday night mostly cloudy, with a low around 43. Calm wind. Wednesday partly sunny, with a high near 58. Wednesday night a 30% chance of showers after 1 a.m., mostly cloudy, with a low around 50. Veterans Day showers likely, mostly cloudy, with a high near 59. Chance of precipitation is 70%. Be weather aware for snow potentially this weekend according to WSBT. More as the forecast nears. From the Black Information Network. This is the BIM Daily Update. I'm Vanessa Tyler. And I'm Terry McCready on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. A black teen is missing and a mother begs for help. I cannot imagine what she might be going through if she she just being away from us this long, being away from her family who loves her very much. 
daughter, 14-year-old Jashiah Moore. Anyone with information leading to finding her, there is a $10,000 reward. The New Jersey teen left her East Orange home to go to the neighborhood store for paper towels and juice, then vanished. The FBI, the Sheriff's Department, the local police are all on the case. The Essex County prosecutor, African-American Ted Stevens, says somebody saw something. Keeping this in the public forefront is very important. This reminds us that... Uh, the lives of little black and little brown girls is just as important as everybody else's lives. We have her picture on our website, BINnews.com. Now that the election is over, many Democrats are looking at the results and conclude white supremacy and racism were behind Republican wins. Even though Virginia did elect a black woman, Winsome Sears, as Lieutenant Governor, MSNBC commentator Michael Eric Dyson says in her case, it's a black mouth moving, but the ideas are white. He also says she justifies and legitimizes white supremacist practices. The lieutenant governor-elect is pushing back, saying she ran against a white supremacist. She also wants a chance to appear on the Joy Ann Reid show to state her positions. Although spokespeople for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis deny it, the scandal continues over those University of Florida professors who reportedly have been barred from testifying as expert witnesses in a lawsuit challenging the Republican governor's voting restriction policy. Another university professor also was not given approval to speak about the governor's ban on mask mandates. All right, well, don't compare the protests over George Floyd with the January 6th insurrection. That word from a judge overseeing the cases of those who stormed the Capitol. Some defendants arguing before Chief Judge Beryl Howell that they were being treated more harshly. The judge set them straight, saying the Black Lives Matter protesters were against police brutality, the Capitol insurrectionists were against democracy. Are they still alive? The Haitian gang that kidnapped and are still holding 17 Christian missionaries, most of them Americans, had to show U.S. officials proof of life. U.S. officials would not give details the conditions the hostages appear to be in after being held since October 16th. The 400 Mawoso gang has demanded $17 million ransom or they would kill them. For more on these stories and international, national, state, and local news affecting the black community, listen to the Black Information Network on the iHeartRadio app or log on to BINnews.com. I'm Vanessa Tyler with Terry McCready on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Urban Hydration is a black-owned, female-founded, clean beauty brand that loves to give back. This summer, try our Bright and Balanced Aloe Vera Leaf Skin Care Collection, which will gently remove impurities and excess oil, balances skin's pH, and helps fight acne, fade dark spots, hydrate, and refresh your skin. Go online to urbanhydration.com today, and we'll donate one clean gallon of water for every clean purchase. I'm Esther Dillard. And I'm Doug Davis on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Family members, friends, and dignitaries are honoring top military leader and diplomat Colin Powell. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright spoke at a memorial service at the Washington National Cathedral. My heart is sad, for I have lost a friend. COVID claimed the life of 84-year-old Powell last month. Albright described Powell as one of the most gentle and decent people she has ever encountered. 
encountered. Powell was a former Secretary of State, a retired general, and was the first black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Longtime friend and advisor Richard Armitage said Powell enjoyed a life well lived. He recalled his friend's sense of humor and insatiable curiosity and said Powell believed people should be treated with kindness. We all need to treat everyone with a little bit more kindness. Powell's family said he was fully vaccinated against COVID, but his immune system was compromised by multiple myeloma, a blood cancer. Many conservatives are calling a doctor, a whistleblower, and a hero. Others are skeptical because of some of her false claims. Lieutenant Colonel Teresa M. Long serves as the brigade surgeon for the Army's First Aviation Brigade. She recently testified in front of Washington officials that top brass ignored her warnings after she reported she had two patients who reported chest pains after they were vaccinated. American Military News reported both were diagnosed with pericarditis or swelling of the outer lining of the heart. The Hill also reports Long falsely wrote in a recent affidavit that the Pfizer vaccine is made of antifreeze or with ethylene glycol. The vaccine does not contain antifreeze, but polyethylene glycol. This is an ingredient commonly used in products like laxatives and cosmetic products. The Biden administration says they pulled the plug on a deal with the vaccine manufacturer Emergent Biosolutions. The New York Times reported they canceled the contract worth $600 million. The reason? The company ruined millions of doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine by contaminating it with the AstraZeneca vaccine. This is the second time the feds have canceled a contract with the company. I'm Esther Dillard, along with Doug Davis, on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Now here's Morgan Wood with the Healthy Minute. Suicide rates are up among black women and young girls. The Journal of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry published the report, adding there's an annual increase of 6.6% for black teen girls between the ages of 15 to 17. Patrice Graham is a yoga instructor and owner of Araminta Wellness in Raleigh, North Carolina. She works to help black women combat stress, anxiety, and race-based trauma. She says, I want to help black women to care for themselves, to know peace in their body, in their mind, in their spirit, and to take care of their mental and physical health. Black women are less likely to seek help for their mental health compared to white women. Graham meets with clients virtually and in person and in small groups. She goes on to say, as black women in America, we haven't had the same opportunities the same advantages as other folks, adding we've still survived and thrived in a lot of ways, but that came with a sacrifice, a price to our mental and physical health. That's your Healthy Minute. I'm Morgan Wood on the Black Information Network. With the new Sapphire Preferred card, you now earn five times total points on travel purchased through Chase. So, like the Miami? Yep. What about the outer limits of Joshua Tree? There, too. And you also earn three times points on dining worldwide. Wait, even on hard-to-get reservations? Dig in. What about, um, I don't know, catch-your-own-dinner shop? Sounds good to me. Your same getaways are now more rewarding. Sapphire Preferred from Chase. Make more of what's yours. Account subject to credit approval. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Your money on the Black Information Network. There are many factors that go into deciding whether to quit your day job, but the biggest of those is pay. CNN reports even if money isn't your top priority, it is important to figure out how much you're actually making from your current employer because what you make is more than just your salary or wage. The report says estimating your total compensation gives you a better measure of how much your employer actually spends on you, and it will help you figure out if a new job offer will work 
as well or better for you financially. To make the comparison, include in your figures, bonuses, and forms of incentive pay, the value of the current benefits you use, as well as those benefits on offer that you might use in the future. Say, for example, paid parental leave if you plan to start a family. All in all, experts say your total compensation may be 25% to 40% higher than your gross salary or wages. Productivity in the American labor market is hitting its lowest level in 40 years. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says it dropped 5% between July and September. The rise of the coronavirus Delta variant is being blamed, and so are issues with the nation's supply chain. Money news at 24 and 54 minutes past each hour. I'm Julius White on the Black Information Network. To be the best version of yourself, you should feel beautiful in your own skin. Urban Hydration offers naturally inspired skin care, body, and hair products that achieve beautiful results and are gentle enough for the entire family. Their products are loaded with clean ingredients that make your beauty routine more natural, more fun, healthier, and more affordable. UrbanHydration.com. With every purchase, one gallon of water is donated to a community in need through a partnership with Water is Life. Download the BIN Daily Update every morning on the iHeartRadio app. some Christmas bazaars happening and holiday bazaars happening in the area. All of these holiday bazaars are happening on November 13th in the following areas. There will be a holiday craft bazaar at the Beulah Missionary Church in Goshen from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on November 13th. Faith United Methodist Church in Goshen will have a holiday bazaar from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. There will be a Queen of Peace holiday bazaar from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. and that will be at the Queen of Peace Catholic School in Mishawaka. There's a Christmas open house weekend featuring Theta New Crafts, and that will be at Dawajak Middle School from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Hometown holidays at Main Street Roasters will happen on November 13th from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And that's at the Main Street Roasters in downtown Napanee. The 2021 annual craft bazaar will happen at St. Zion Lutheran Church in LaGrange from 9 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. There will be a big sale vendor fair from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church in Mishawaka. Starting on November 12th and running through November 13th, there will be a 20th annual holiday festival. And the 12th, it starts at 6 at 10 p.m. And it's the address for that is 2815 Four Man Drive in Warsaw. <coughs> November 14th, there will be 4th Annual Christmas Bonanza Craft Market in New Car Isle. And that address for that is 55756 to the road from 2 to 8 p.m. November 19th to November 21st, there will be Holiday Market at University Park Mall. It will begin on Friday the 19th at 11 a.m. running through Sunday 21st till 6 p.m. November 20th, there will be a Napanee Home for Holiday Craft Show at the Claywood Event Center in Napanee from 8.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. At the Battelle Community Center in Mishawaka on November 20th, there will be a Holiday Craft Fair from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. 
November 27th will be a first annual Small Business Saturday at Reno Park in South Bend from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. November 20th, a craft and vendor bazaar in Elkhart uh, at Elkhart Northside Nazarene Church from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. November 14th, there will be a handmade holiday market from 3 to 7 p.m. at Goshen Farmer's Market. November 19th, Middlebury will have Middlebury Hometown Holidays Christmas Bazaar. It starts Friday the 19th from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday the 20th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Me- Me- Meadow Valley Golf Club Middlebury. November 18th, there will be a holiday bazaar from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Iron Hand Wine Bar in South Bend. There is a lot of holiday bazaars coming up. Hope you've enjoyed some of these events. Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. Jobs making high-speed internet affordable and available everywhere in America. Over the weekend, President Joe Biden touted one of the benefits of his $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill after the measure passed the House late Friday. The president described the bill as a once-in-a-generation investment that would put the U.S. on a path to win the economic competition of the 21st century. Biden said he planned to sign the bill soon, but National Journal congressional reporter Casey Wooten says Biden has a ways to go on his larger social program and climate package. This infrastructure bill is on its way to the president. But the Build Back Better, you know, it's far, far from from being done here. Former President Donald Trump has sharply criticized Senate Republicans and their leader, Mitch McConnell, for allowing passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. A Russian analyst who worked on the Steele dossier has been arrested in the U.S. The controversial document accused Trump of being linked to the Kremlin and colluding with Russia to win the 2016 election. But the Department of Justice has charged Igor Denchenko with lying to the FBI. Former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Secretary of State Colin Powell was honored at a National Cathedral funeral service Friday. Madeleine Albright, herself Secretary of State under Clinton, remembered her colleague. He and I were shaped by different experiences and had different ideas and represented different departments. But over the past quarter century, we also became very close friends. Saturday, an appeals court temporarily blocked President Biden's coronavirus vaccine mandate for businesses with 100 employees or more. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed the challenge, but was joined by states including Louisiana, Mississippi, Utah, and South Carolina. In Las Vegas at the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual leadership meeting, former Vice President Mike Pence took aim at President Biden's policies toward Israel. He restored funding to the Palestinian Authority. He announced his intention to rejoin join the Iran nuclear deal. And now the Biden administration is planning to open a consulate in Jerusalem for the Palestinian people. On Friday, opening arguments began in the trial of three white men accused of killing Ahmad Aubrey, a 25-year-old black man in Georgia. The 12-person jury includes 11 white people and one black person, a racial makeup that Superior Court Judge Timothy Walmsley said might have been, quote, intentional discrimination on the part of defense attorneys. 
Thousands gathered in Glasgow, Scotland Saturday to protest a lack of global action to combat climate change. The United Nations COP26 summit, slated to last another week, has drawn more than 100 world leaders. I'm Nadia Ramlagan for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Some energy assistance happening rural services for the counties of Elkhart, Fulton, Kosciuszko, Marshall, and St. Joseph, Indiana counties. Rural services has begun their energy assistance that started November 1st. Households must be within 60% of state median income. To request, a, to request an application, you can call 574 232 6501 or 800-225-3367. The assistance is based on the previous three months of income. You will need social security cards, copy of IDs, proof of income for all household members 18 and older, recent copies of electric and heating bills, or and a landlord affidavit or a copy of a signed lease that's less than 24 months old. More information can be found at realservices.org. Take care and have a wonderful day. The rest of this story. Night was falling fast as Junior crawled out onto the wing of the torpedo bomber. The plane was bobbing in the ocean like a cork. Junior called to the pilot who'd clambered out onto the other wing. How long will she stay dry? She could sink in one minute, came the reply. Which way is land, Junior asked. The pilot pointed his best guess. Together, the two plunged into the Pacific, swimming hard toward a distant, invisible shore. Before long, Junior lost track of the pilot in the dusk, shouted to him no answer. Junior kept swimming. After an hour or more, the coast did come into view. The plane must have ditched miles from land, Junior thought to himself. It was, in fact, three miles. But now an even more formidable problem arose. But through the gloom between Junior and the rocky shoreline, he could see the ominous blue phosphorescence of jellyfish, poisonous jellyfish, maybe thousands of them. But Junior had not struggled this far to get stung to death in the dark. So ever so cautiously, he maneuvered himself among the jellyfish. He got past them, only to discover now within a hundred yards of safety, the powerful undertow. And Junior was beginning to lose consciousness. But before he drifted into oblivion, the day's urgencies swirled through his mind. How he'd been stuck in Seattle with only a few hours left on his weekend pass. His only hope for returning on schedule to his army base in Monterey was to hitch a ride on this torpedo bomber bound for San Francisco... It was strictly against regulations, of course, but Junior was desperate and the pilot was sympathetic. The only room on the craft was in the cramped maintenance area near the tail. There was a hatch back there which blew open when the plane reached a thousand feet, so to keep from getting sucked out, Junior tied himself down with cable, and then the oxygen mask malfunctioned. As the atmosphere grew thin, Junior shrieked for help through the intercom, but the intercom didn't work. Junior's brain was going dark, but the real enemy was just outside the plane. Fog, a sky full of fog. The pilot could never find his air base now. They were running out of fuel. And that's how AWOL Junior and the sympathetic pilot came to be clinging to the wing of a torpedo bomber in the Pacific somewhere between Seattle and San Francisco. 
No, Junior did not drown. In fact, he came to on a flat rock, on more or less dry land, stumbled to his feet and trudged five miles in the dead of night to a radio communications relay station. An astonished radio operator said, you look like a survivor from the Titanic. Junior felt like one. The pilot swam to safety as well. Came ashore about a quarter mile from where Junior had come ashore. Oh, yes. They both got a good scolding. But they lived to tell why. And Junior lived to do a whole lot more than that. The pilot really have no idea what happened to him later on, but there will come a time real soon when you will stare into the stern, haunting eyes of the man called Junior by his family, and you will revisit that night in 1950, the night that was almost his last, when the ocean almost claimed a young soldier named Clint Eastwood. And you will know the rest of the story. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend. Now let me start this morning by asking you, do you consider yourself a success? Are you a success? That's a tricky question, I think, because success means different things to different people. I think the only way to determine if you're successful or not is to, <clears throat> to define your own success. Does success mean you have a, <clears throat> a lot of money and a big house and a flashy car and lots of stuff, as I like to call it? Or does it mean happiness and having good health and bringing <clears throat> beauty into the world in which you live? It's quite a contrast between two different ways of belief. Booker T. Washington once said, success is not to be measured so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles he has overcome. <clears throat> so when it, when it comes right down to it, the only person that can define your success is, is you. Success for me can't be the same as success for you. The key step to obtain success in life is to be cognizant of your own personal definition of success. In our scripture reading that was read to us by Allison, Jesus wants us to focus our attention on what should be important in our lives. Being brought up in a capitalistic society like we are and, and living in the midst of one, we are well aware of all the, the riches and the treasures that surround us on a daily basis. To be successful, to be able to say we've, we've made it, we come to believe, and, and this takes in even those of us in the church, that it's very, very important to be able to say that, that self-importance is part of who we are. That the most important thing in life is just that, self-importance. Making a name for ourselves and, and receiving recognition from others. How, how good does that make us feel? The scribes that you heard about this morning, they weren't really that 
bad of people when it, when it comes right down to it. They weren't living their lives as, as people who, who lived in direct contrast to God's commandments. In fact, they were highly educated. They were, they were learned men. They knew all the commandments backwards and forwards. They played a very important role in the, every, <coughs> the everyday running of the church by serving on, on committees and by teaching Sunday school and, and, and leading the handbell choir and, and being worship leaders. This is the things these people did. But somehow along the line, they, they lost it. They lost focus on what life was supposed to be about. Somewhere along the line, they forgot that they were, were what, what they were doing was supposed to be being done for the kingdom of God. And instead, they let their pride get the best of them. So over a period of time, instead of, instead of wearing everyday clothes and, and going downtown and, and letting people call them by, hey, Joe, or hi, you know, Smitty, or whatever, just like normal people, these people, they let their positions in the church go to their heads. And they began to wear these big, long, flowing robes and so they could draw attention to themselves. And that way everybody would know who they are, you see. And they started making people address them not by their name, but by rabbi. And this massaged their egos. They love that because, you see, rabbi means my great one. How great they could feel. And the more their egos were massaged by the everyday people, the more they became enamored with themselves. And, and since many of the people around them were, were, were gullible to just about anything, they began to, to lead the people to believe that the experts in the law, these guys wearing these big fancy robes, were highly favored by God. And so they concocted this, this, this money-making scheme, I guess we could call it. They began to tell the people that there was no greater privilege than to support a rabbi with money and with property, their, their, their homes. And if you did what they said, you too would be favored by God, and you too would be guaranteed not just for a good life here on earth, but you'd also be guaranteed a place in heaven before you die. And of course it was the, the poor and the marginalized, the, the ones that couldn't afford it, the ones who had little to begin with, who gave these guys everything they had, including their homes. They had so little that they were willing to do anything, anything, including giving away their homes in hopes of, uh, that God would, would bless them more, that would make their lives better, and that God would lead them into a better life because of what they had done for him. Every time I read this story about these guys walking around in fancy robes, I can't help but remember my, I'm going to say probably my first year in, in my ministry studies, the entire school would always meet at, at McCleary Chapel at the University of Indianapolis. I think some of you know where that is, in, in Swizer Hall. 
And we'd all go meet there for worship before classes started. And, and I always remember walking into McCleary Chapel for the very first time and seeing, seeing, I don't know, 150 people. And there were these guys walking around with these big, heavy crosses on their chests. And, and they had cleric shirts on and cleric collars. And I'm here in a pair of blue jeans and running shoes. And these were the same guys that were sucking up to and they were kissing up to the, to the instructors and they were kissing up to the, to the leaders of the school. And many of these guys were in my first year class, you see. So over, but, but over a period of time, probably within the first two years, I would say, these same guys began to drop out of school. And pretty soon, the only people left there were people who dressed normal without all this look-at-me stuff on them, you know? My thought was this, that these guys wearing the, the holy stuff, the, <clears throat> the look-at-me stuff, soon found out that school wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't just for show. It wasn't just for, for walking around saying, look at me, I'm a pastor. It required a lot of work, a lot of reading, a lot of paperwork, a lot of, and, and a lot of people worked full-time, part-time in doing all this. And as they began to drop out, I came to believe that they came to school seeking their own self-importance rather than answering the call of God to ministry. And I still believe that today. These high roller church people back in Jesus' day were calculating as well. <clears throat> but it was the way in which the offering was collected that really got the best of Jesus. Now you have to remember, they didn't use paper money back in those days. They didn't have pew envelopes like we have. Nor did they use simple offering plates with padded bottoms so you couldn't hear the money drop in and make a bunch of noise. Their offering was placed in a large trumpet-like receptacle. It sat at the door of the sanctuary, right back there. And it was made in such a way that, that the money that dropped in echoed. And the more you put in, the louder it got. Do you see? All this clinking and clanking as the coins rolled down the bottom of this metal tube into this container. Of course, to separate the, the people, the haves from the have-nots, and, and to attract attention to themselves, there were those people who loved to pour their money into this big trumpet because it was loud and, and it, was, it made things, people up front, turned, they turned around to see who it was putting the money in. And the people knew that it was them, and that made them feel so proud because people knew how generous they were and how, how well-to-do they were. So there they were that day, Jesus and his friends. The offering container was at the back of the church, and the people, <clears throat> much like we do now, came in from the narthex, dropped their money in the offering container, which 
made people turn around and see who was doing this and, and my what nice clothes they had on that day. And of course they went and sat down, but they sat down here in the front row. That way you people in the back could see who they were, you know. They were the important people of the church. Now the good news, <coughs> the good news of this text is that Jesus gives us guidance this morning on how to be successful in the kingdom of God. And he shows us what the correct focus on life should be. And thirdly, he shows us how we might store up treasures in heaven. So he sits back and he watches the offering being taken in. And as he does, he notices this woman sitting in the pew all by herself at the end. It's funny, isn't it? Because you see, Jesus ignores all this noise being made by the well-to-do, the overly dressed, the, 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 the overly confident church leaders, and he draws attention to the faint little blink, blink, to the faint little two coins that the woman put in the offering tray that nobody even heard drop in there. Nobody heard it that day but Jesus. And he says, this woman's put in more money than any of the people here today. Or what he said, he called them high rollers. He didn't say people, he said the high rollers. Now, can you imagine what Matthew must have said? I can just imagine when Matthew heard this, he pulled out his calculator and, and he showed Jesus that, that he's not quite right on his calculation because Matthew was a tax collector. He was good with numbers. He was good with figures. And it wouldn't take Matthew long to show Jesus that with just the two coins this woman put in, that she only contributed maybe one one-thousandth, two one-thousandths of what the other members of the church put in. Her two coins couldn't even come. They were a drop in the bucket to what the others put in. And I can imagine Jesus looking straight back at, at, at Matthew and looking him in the eye. And this is before George H.W. Bush. And Jesus said to Matthew, read my lips. Read my lips, Matthew. She put in more than all of them combined. More. Do you get it, Matthew? She put in She put in more because what they put in was what they weren't going to use anyways. They put in their excess, their, their leftovers. They put in the interest on the interest of their bank account. But the woman, the, the woman put in not her leftovers, but she put in everything that she had. See, there's something here about the life we're expected to live as followers of Jesus, as his disciples. And that is this, that we are to hold our own life very, very lightly. We're to hold our own livelihood very, very lightly. None of these God-given things, our, our lives, our possessions, are ours to hoard or ours to keep for ourselves. These are the things that God has given us, our, our lives, our livelihood. He's given us all our possessions, everything that we have, maybe a whole lot, maybe, maybe very, very little. 
And these are the things that we are to give away to other people. To give as a blessing, to give as an act of, of gratitude, to give as a service to God. We're called to set ourselves free from our own self-bondage. To set ourselves free for, for God's kingdom, for all of mankind, and, and to live free and unencumbered lives by fully trusting in him so that, so that we might embrace this constant hope of eternity that someday comes to us. Chris Hayes tells a story of seeing a woman come into his church one day and she went into the sanctuary and she prayed for a while and she got up and she went up to the altar and she put a little envelope on the, on the altar. And he forgot all about it until he got ready to go home and he came in and he saw it and he took it back and it was a, a $5 bill in a little envelope with a note attached. And the notice said, Thank you God for giving me so much in life. I have enough to eat today, I have a roof over my head, and I have a job to go to tomorrow. I hope this money can help someone find the goodness in you that I have found. Well, the following day, he told a guy that came into the church about this, and the guy said, well, you know, he said, I was serving <clears throat> supper at a local night shelter, and he said, I talked to a woman who said she had never felt closer to God than she did the day before. And she went on to tell me that she left $5 at a local church up on the altar. It was the same amount of money, she said, that God had somehow given her to help her through a tough time. And she said it was the single most rewarding experience in her life to be able to give back to God all that she had for all that he's done for her. Real giving has to be sacrificial. The amount of the gift doesn't matter. It's the cost to the giver that matters. Not the size of the gift, but the sacrifice itself. The woman in the story <clears throat> I just told you about, she could have kept a couple of dollars for herself and it wouldn't have made any difference. And, and the other woman, she could have just put in one coin instead of two, I guess. But real giving has a certain recklessness about it, I guess we could say. And both women gave all they had, knowing that even without it, God would take care of them anyways. William Barclay calls this the great symbolic truth. It's our tragedy that there is so often some part of our lives, some part of our activities, some part of ourselves which we forgive to Christ. Somehow there is <clears throat> nearly always something we hold back. We rarely make the final sacrifice. We rarely make the final surrender. Too often we fail to see all the goodness that God has given us. And like the scribes, we too become self-absorbed in, in ourselves. But the good news of, of Jesus this morning is that no matter who we are or no matter what our life circumstances or situation might be, we have been offered his love, we've been offered his grace, and we can turn around and we can offer that love and we can offer that grace to others 
knowing that there's more to come back to us each and every time. We're never left stranded. Even when there's no monetary value to it, God knows the value of what we're giving. And like Jesus' reaction to the poor widow, no matter what we give, no matter how big or how small, what we give or what we offer back to others will always be known to God. And it will always be, always, precious in his sight. Amen.